We are The Table, and we are so glad that you have taken time out of your week to join us. Here at The Table, it is our hope to move you forward in life and faith over the course of this message. At The Table, we do things just a bit differently. We pose questions in real time, and we want to give you some time to wrestle with those questions as well. Again, thanks for joining us, and we hope that this message moves you forward. This is this is crazy. This is crazy. Thank you, sir. All right, all right, all right. The game of life. You see how it takes you through these twists and turns. <laughs> objective. Every game has an objective. Every game has guidelines. It's how you play. It's the way that you qualify to either win or live on in the game. Beyond, beyond the objective and beyond the guidelines, then there is strategy. Strategy is the way that you play the game. With a clear objective, your strategy is the way that you go about getting to the end result. And as much as I thought about that in the terms of video games and different things like that, I said, Lord, how are you going to what does that mean for what you want us to learn in the month of October? And I thought about the game of life not being much different than that. The game of life has an objective. The game of life has guidelines, and the way that we approach the game of life has strategy. And so all month long, what we're going to do is look at some games and we're going to critique those games and how they parallel to the way we live our life. So some of you may have to put on your thinking caps to remember the last time you played such a game. Some games you may not even recognize or never heard of. But I'm encouraged of how God is going to use this basic concept to help give us insight in the way we maneuver in the game of life. So today's game and today's critique is going to be on the game truth or dare. Truth or dare. The thing I love about this game when it came into my mind is that people, some people were going to laugh from a funny perspective and other people were going to laugh from a very sinister perspective. Because here it is, in, in, in the game, truth or dare, the objective, although it's played in a group setting, it's very individualized. One, one person's responsibility is to, to ask someone truth or dare. And they then decide one or the other. If they pick truth, then I'm going to ask them a question that they have to, because that's a guideline of the game, they have to tell the truth no matter what I ask them. Now, the alternative to that is, if you don't want to tell the truth, or you're scared of what the question might be, you will choose dare. And a dare, can I just say, if you're playing with me, all bets are off. 
there's usually two kinds of people who play truth or dare. And one of them, they don't pick truth no matter what. Because they don't have anything to hide. They don't have any secrets. They're boring. <laughs> no, I, I'm just <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> goes to tell you how I used to play the game. But the other kind of person, no matter what, they're going to say dare to get the party started. Because they want, and they like the idea of taking the risk and taking the chance and whatever the unknown is. So they go into it like, you know what? I dare you to. Or whatever you dare me to do, I will do it. Because that is how you live on the edge. <laughs> and as I thought about this game and how it fits into the game of life, I came up with a couple of things that said, that made me just take a step back. If you're not willing to stick to the truth in the game, then you're opening yourself up to great possibilities and potential endless obstacles. In other words, by refusing the truth, you make yourself vulnerable to challenge. And the game of life works exactly the same way. When you refuse truth, then you're creating a space, if you dare, to have to deal with a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of opportunity for things to go awry. Paul in Colossians chapter 2, he starts to share his concern with one of the churches that he's writing to. So if you know anything about Paul, Paul planted churches, he visited churches, he was in prison, and he always checked on churches, the body the believers of Christ, because there were some things that he understood that he wanted us never, ever to forget. And that is that, look, you have to understand this thing about truth or dare. You have to understand in the game of life, there are some things that you're going to wrestle with. And he says this in Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. He says, I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He goes on to say, I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. In other words, what he's saying here is Paul is trying to get the churches of that day the believers of that day and the believers in the churches now, he's trying to get us to understand the objectives and the guidelines in the game of life. Because what Paul is saying here is that, wait a second, you've got to know that if you are not sound in understanding the truth that is Jesus Christ, that the world is going to give you obstacles the world is going to give you challenges. The world is going to give you false doctrine. The world is going to have you and manipulate you in the midst of your confusion about what truth is and what it represents. So here you are trying to live life, not understanding why these constant and persistent challenges keep coming your way. 
he digs into the fact that in the midst of your confusion, you may not be able to decipher the truth. What happens in the game of life or in the game of truth or dare, if you don't pick truth, you dare to deal with the unknown. So on this Back to Church Sunday, there's a couple things that I just want to share with you. Because if I never get the opportunity again, one of the things that Paul says in this letter, one of the things that he calls out is the fact that he's talking to people that he's never met before. There are people in this room that I may have never met before, and I may never have the opportunity to meet you again. So I have to follow in what Brother Paul is doing in his letter. And that is, I want to just tell you about the truth that is Jesus. And how easy it would be if it was just select the truth as the clear and obvious answer and everything else will be ice cream, lollipops, and sunshine. Hallelujah. (laughs) But here's what we know. Paul calls truth a mystery. He says, look, there's this mysterious thing that God is telling us. And in other words, he's trying to tell you this is not going to make logical sense. There's this thing called faith that you're going to have to have because your faith is the substance of things that you hope for and the evidence of things that are not seen. In Hebrews 11 Verse 3, he even talks about, the Word of God talks about how God created the universe by just speaking the Word. There's some things that you're just going to have to believe. Romans 10 and 9 talks about how, how are we saved? We declare that Jesus is Lord and we what? Believe in our heart that he rose from the dead. See, Paul is trying to get us to understand that people will refute God and will cast doubt indirectly and directly on Jesus. And therefore, challenge will come from every direction when you go to lean into this truth. You have to believe. You have to have faith. We see, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe that he rose again. And unless you know something I don't about time travel, or unless you know something I don't about an end of the evening skincare routine that keeps you looking very, very young, none of us were there to witness the empty tomb. So what that means is we're going to be challenged all the time about this truth that we believe. Oh, but in the game of truth or dare, oftentimes we like to live on the edge. And sometimes we even live in the world And we act in a way that the crowd acts because we want to fit in 
and then we believe our truth privately. I'm here to tell you that without faith in God's truth, you run the same risk as accepting a dare that has unknown dangers and consequences. This is the risk. If we don't live in total truth, if we don't allow our faith in the truth that is Jesus Christ, we run the same risk as taking the dare. There is a, a video that I'm going to show you. And in the video, um, it is of a game show called Wipeout. How many have ever heard of that? And the interesting thing about this game, Wipeout, is that most of the contestants on it, at the very beginning, they give their insight to like, so what brings you to the game? What brings you here? And nine out of 10 people say they lost a bet <laughs> or they were dared to. So just ride this wave with me as we watch this clip from Wipeout. I just have one question. Why? <laughs> why? Like, like, why would anyone choose to take such a chance? Why would anyone choose to refute truth and take a chance to live a life like this. Everywhere you go, pushed around, beat up, slammed in the water, muddy. The whole objective is to survive it. Why would we want to live a life that we're just trying to survive day to day? When the truth is, God wants us to prosper. The truth is, God wants us to know that we're loved. The truth is, God wants us to understand that we are winners, that we are the head and not the tail, that we are the lender and not the borrower. He wants us to understand that the world, life, life doesn't dictate to us. He wants us to understand that we can be victorious over all of these challenges. He wants us to understand that this is just not happenstance. He wants us to understand the truth is he knew we would need an out. He knew we would need a savior. He knew that, and he gave us one in Jesus. But I had to understand, and you have to understand, we have to understand why is it that we neglect truth? Could it be that one of the biggest sticking blocks for us is that when we, when we acknowledge truth, it's going to reveal some things about us. See, when you lean all the way in to truth, there are some things about us, and let's be honest, 
There's some things, you don't dislike everything about yourself. Only certain things. If you're not willing to wear that garment, I'll wear it for myself. There are some sins I liked. Keep your judgment to yourself. I'm just going to be honest. I wouldn't, there are certain things that I would have just continued to do because it was, I liked it. The fact remains is that sin is a lot of times pleasing to our what? To our flesh, to our ego. It serves a purpose that's contrary to God, but self-serving. Paul, continuing in Colossians 2, verse number 5, he says this, because I'm not with you, because I'm at a distance, he says, but my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should, and that your faith in Christ is strong. He's saying from a distance, he's saying, look, all of my Bible believing Loved ones, my brothers and sisters in Christ, even though we're not together, I rejoice in the fact that you are living so strong for Christ. I rejoice in that. And I, like Paul, rejoice in the fact that there are people in this room. There are people who will listen to this podcast or see this video at some point. I rejoice in the same way that if you're given the opportunity to select truth, there are people in this room who have and who did and who do. But if your faith is not rooted and you don't feel strong and you're missing the truth of Jesus Christ, today on this Back to Church Sunday, I just want to give you two things that could help you reconnect. Just two things. The first thing is I want, I want you to commit to attending church. This is where you get answers to your questions. This is where you find your faith community. Making church a regular part of your life gives you accountability, it gives you discipline, and it helps you prioritize. No, 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 you don't have to go to church to know God. You don't have to go to church to be saved. But I tell you this, If you stay away from church, then you don't have that community that you don't even know you need. A year ago when my family came here, shortly after, within a very short period of time, we had suffered a major loss in my family. And I had no idea how much church community I needed. I I, I can honestly say I had zero idea that I needed my church community as much as I did. God knew, but I had no idea. See, church, church gives you that community. It provides you with opportunity to not just meet others, but to learn. Our mission here is to guide you into a forward-moving relationship. Not just a relationship, but one that moves forward. That we are challenging ourselves, that we are committing ourselves to learning, that we are pushing ourselves. So on this Back to Church Sunday, it don't matter the last time you were here. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter the last time you were at any church. I want to encourage you that if you want to get more confidence, as Paul talks about, in the truth that is Jesus Christ, 
you need to commit to attending church. The second thing is I want you to read your Bible. You got to learn to read your Bible. You got to get disciplined and read your Bible. I, you know, I love technology and, and, and mobile apps and all those kinds of things, but I'm going to be honest with you. There's nothing like a good old-fashioned, thin-sheeted, page-turning text. There's nothing, there's nothing like that. It's something about sitting with the Bible, deciding to, and letting the Lord speak through his inspired scriptures. Scripture catapults faith. The more that you learn, the more that you read, the more that you understand, the more that you get the guidelines to the game of life. It'll change your strategy to how you approach it. So now, here is my prayer for you whoever you are and wherever you are in your walk, that right now in this moment, right now in this very moment, that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, directing you where to go, what to do, the things you need to start doing, the things you need to stop doing, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, speak to the hearts of your people. What do we need to start? What do we need to stop? So that on this day, we are focused on the truth that is you. So that by this game that we call life, we are playing by rules, not that the world has made, but the outlet that you have given us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to watch another video. And this time, I want you to understand the perspective in which the contestants are going through this course. Because the thing we have to learn is that Unless we have Jesus, we are constantly fighting against our flesh and our desires to do what we want, go where we want, say what we want. So the people in this video, see, when you look at it through a different set of lenses, these are people who have taken chances and allowing, and by taking a chance and not buckling down in truth, they're allowing themselves to try to go into and navigate into this world. But when you have the defense that is Christ, it will fight against your flesh. With faith and God's truth, you recognize, I recognize, we recognize that sinful nature cannot win and your faith is the defense.
Faith in God's truth empowers us to wholeheartedly seek his kingdom. When your flesh tries to run wild, your faith is there to keep it in check. See, the second video, I know some of you are thinking, wait, this is the same video I'm watching. I saw this the first time. What's the difference? The difference is, is when your flesh says, oh, I'm back to the bar doing the things that I want to. Here come the goldfish of faith to say, Psh, sit down. <laughs> when you say, no, I'm going to hop from bed to bed to bed to bed, them big rubber balls say, the first time you try to lay down, Psh, get out of here. When you say, I'm going to just do what I want and what makes me happy. I'm going to keep drinking like crazy and drive and be behind the wheel. Then the airbag of sanctification says, Psh. What I want you to understand is that the way that you do things and the way that you are used to doing things, the Spirit of the Lord will stop right in its tracks when you commit to truth. You have a defense against your flesh. The Word of God says this in Colossians 2, 13 and 14. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all of our sins. And he canceled the record of the charges against us. And he took it away by nailing it to the cross. I'm here to tell you today that God took these things through Jesus Christ and he nailed them to the cross. This is not a game of truth or dare. You don't have to play this game of happenstance. You don't have to take chances. You don't have to take these risks. But if you buckle down into truth and you understand the consequences to playing the game and you're clear on the objective to live and bring him glory, you're clear on the guidelines because his word of God tells us so. Then your strategic approach is to lean in and accept Christ. This is what communion represents. Communion represents the body that was shed, that was bruised, battered, and given up for us. The blood is represented by the juice of the blood that was said, that shed in Christ Jesus. So in a second, we're going to take communion and I'll ask our band to play and I'm going to invite you from your seat to walk up. There are three tables, one here, one to my left and right, and you can grab your communion. And as you take your communion and you walk back to your seat, when we take it together, I want you to think about these two things. How has Jesus been your defense in the past? How has Jesus been your defense in the past? And how will Jesus defend your future? So as you walk, let us thank him and let us celebrate his goodness. You may come forward. Come forward from your seat. Go to your closest table and grab communion. And as you return to your seat, I want you to just hold this sacrament that represents the body and the blood. 
and think about how he's been your defense and how he will defend your future. Proceed to open your wafer. Once you have it open, go ahead and hold it up just so I know you're ready. Sometimes it could be a little tricky to open, so just want to make sure. Amen. Amen. Jesus, we give you thanks for this represents the body that you gave for us. Take and eat. This cup represents the blood. Jesus, we thank you for the blood that was shed for us. We rejoice for our salvation, a salvation that is attainable only through God's Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen, and praise the Lord. If this message challenged you and moved you forward, personally or in faith, we encourage you to share it with someone who needs a message of hope today. And if you're interested or looking for ways to partner with us in our mission here at the table, head on over to thetablejoliet.org for more information.